Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Congratulations, you've unlocked some Gorilla Radio. I am a crypto keeper, Steve Strange. I will break down a digital asset called cryptocurrency. Picture me rolling into central land. I got no time for glitches. I just need to buy land. They are chasing my bosses. What somebody be telling? But I don't give much, because I ain't selling. My NFT is not another number. I put a price, so don't place a bit what is under. The banks want to see us there. If a bull price is on the head, but still I have mana on my ledge. The crypto space is evolving, most often faster than anyone researching, podcasting, developing, or reporting it in any way. I mentioned before how much information comes out day to day. So whenever I come back on that weekly basis, there is so much that has gone through and happened that, um, you know, it, it not only makes your head spin, but it makes your eyes spin as well because uh, there's so much information and only um, a few of us and a certain amount of us are able to kind of put all this together to try and make it make sense because this is the the very basis and foundation of a new technology coming in that um, is none too appealing, I guess you could say. It's not that easy to you know talk about the back end of of computing systems. In fact, they're um, so hard to follow. Um, they're just not they're just not interesting for most people to really care about, um, even though we do use it every day. And I also made a comment way back before in one of my earlier episodes about crypto living in um, in the in this in this virtual internet in this cyberspace, and this continues to be true because you know there are so many uh, because of the way this thing works. Um, there are so many applications, and every day there are more applications being brought, um, more. Um, cryptos, more blockchain operating systems being brought to mainnet. So the mainnet is basically basically the end goal for uh, many of the projects. Whenever you create a program, it goes through a series of phases of tests. So what you need to make sure is the code that was written, that was typed in, is full functioning and no bugs. So it does require a lot of steps to 
get something ready for the you know the show floor and everything that 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 um you know comes before it you have to make sure there are no holes and nothing that no pitfalls that are going to compromise the project especially um leaving vulnerabilities that could really take you know take advantage of potential customers or the functionality of what you're using so to get to a main net um, it's not easy for a lot of the developers and companies that are putting these things online and so what i want to begin and so this is actually going to be part of the fun stuff believe it or not because we're going to be getting into ethereum now um i brought a lot of information in regards to bitcoin and you know, there's so much that I really didn't touch on everything, but I touch on what I think were some of the most important factors that we should take note of. And so now we have to go into Ethereum, which is second to Bitcoin, because it's basically what makes up the entire crypto space. Everything that's in crypto, everything, all the coins, everything that you see or hear about what's, what's happened and what's coming, all of that is Ethereum-based. So... You know, and it's it's nothing like Bitcoin. This is not apples and oranges or silver and gold. These are two entirely, entirely different things. Even though they're, the, the technology is similar, these are uh, meant to be completely different in what they provide and what they offer. You know, because Bitcoin was just simply supposed to be the peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. You know, just transferring uh, this little bit of store of value um, to one another and that's it but what ethereum does it um, adds to that in so many different ways it, um, it it's more than just a phone call back in the day where uh, you're talking to someone over you know a regular old rotary phone if you want to compare it to that this brings on that level of smartphone so with a smartphone you know you can do so much more and that's kind of what we're talking about here and um, so much more, in fact, that I can't even tell you uh, what else is on the horizon and what's you know, being created on Ethereum. So Ethereum currently, right now at the time of this recording, is holding at $650. Uh, and that's highly undervalued considering the uh, importance of what this technology is going to do and how it's going to change the world. Um, its market cap is at $74 billion dollars. And just to put that into perspective, it's at $74 billion, but this is going to be a trillion dollar market. So that 650 per coin is nothing compared to what it's going to turn into or grow into. So if that's any sort of revelation for you to grasp, um, as far as when I call this investment, um, I'm not a financial advisor and this is not financial advice, but I want you to take note of what presented, of what is being presented here and what's being created for you and for me and your friends and family. So this Ethereum is a global open source platform for decentralized applications. <clears throat> so, excuse me, that's, that's a, um, I guess you could say a mouthful alone as far as trying to understand what I just said, okay? Its vision is to create a world computer that accepts many types of applications. So, in other words, this is, uh, you could say this is almost um, a slight comparison to Android, 
okay? Having Android is kind of an open source system with a whole bunch of applications onto it. So any like app developers out there can put something together, put it on the Android and it's pretty, you know, it's very open. It's global. It's an open source platform. Anyone and everyone can use it. And it's also compares, compares, there's a good comparison to the decentralization. Okay. Uh, and it's important to, to really understand the importance of decentralization. So this kind of, this is where it separates from that Android. Um, why I don't say it's the same as Android. So decentralization was basically set up to be a, uh, a, to have a peer to peer architecture representing an app being solely owned by the user. Meaning I say you take your favorite app on the phone and you know, it's completely owned by you. So presently, as we are familiar using our smartphone and using any kind of app in there, most likely it's owned by the developer that put it on there and however you interact with it. A lot of that information is going to them, you know, so they're, they're the record keepers. They're the ones holding all the information of however, whatever it is. But what a lot of these decentralized apps on Ethereum provide is they provide this, this particular operating system, but they just put it out there, put it on the net. And then once you start to use it, you are the sole owner of everything on there, everywhere from the information to the finances that's being applied to it. So that's why this, this decentralization thing is so significant. And even though you might be suspicious and think about all the, uh, the centralized entities out there that like to, that have this level of control, that want this level of ownership, this, this bit of taxation that would be applied to it. Um, yeah, that's still, that's still a factor to think about, especially the taxation part. And that's part of the regulations that are coming down the pipeline that are going to be applied. But they also understand the importance and valuability of this decentralization as it is very appealing to people once they find out what it offers and what it's about. And so that's another reason that's going to take, that's going to make Ethereum take off. And, um, so this is a, again, it's a very big deal to think about because those apps, you know, they're, um, decentralized applications are protocols or independently operating systems that function through the user and the content created. So you're creating exactly whatever it is, um, depending on what the particular app is, uh, whether it's a social network, creating the content on there and um, being a beneficiary of all the likes that you're being given that include or that equal to monetary value, uh, to being a sole lender and having some of these digital assets, um, making them available, like lending them out and then collecting the fees or interest on those, which is another very interesting aspect and opportunity for people. You know, I, I would almost like to say that owning crypto almost kind of makes you, um, you know, an entrepreneur or your soul as a sole business person because of what you can do with it. And that's simply by owning crypto alone. So I thought that was very interesting. So moving on, ETH, Ethereum's claim to fame is something called smart contracts. Um, it's a, um, 
it's a programmable contract that allows two counterparties to set conditional terms in any and every transaction. So smart contracts is the whole reason this fourth industrial revolution is coming in. It's the whole reason this technology will take over. Essentially, this is the breakthrough the world will wake up to. It's like, to, to um, put it you know, into an understanding of what smart contracts is, it's like this whole time we've been using a ham radio. And, um, and this kind of brings on automatic, like immediately brings onto the scene a smartphone. So you go from using and knowing and how to handle a ham radio and then all of a sudden being given a smartphone. Yeah. And it, it really kind of is that, that because of the learning curve in this, again, there's like, there's so much you can do. And when I tell you owning crypto alone turns you into your own business person, um, that's kind of the extent of it because, you know, when you own your own business, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of different factors and components that you need to think about that you now have the available opportunity to take on. And, uh, so, uh, what's even more interesting about this Ethereum protocol, this Ethereum, Ethereum network is the co-founder. So, there was a young man at the age of 17, a young man named Vitalik Buterin learned about Bitcoin from his father. And yeah, that's pretty, pretty young. And so, um, you know, he, he, he started to travel uh, and meet, go to a lot of conventions and meet a lot of developers and um, uh, go to different schools to uh, find out more about what this... Um, you know, this, this, this technology was this, this distributed ledger, um, because that's also a big thing is this is a recorded, uh, ledger, um, of like constant spreadsheets that are being filled with information that are, that have these records that are continually being chained together and seeing that availability and then knowing how to add code, computer code to that, to expand the functionality there by creating the smart contracts it's very interesting and so he thought so enough to look further into it because uh two years later in uh, at the age of 19 in 2013 he met with more developers and published the white paper for ethereum which is the the synopsis the breakdown of what ethereum is in all its you know key functionalities so going back a little to, you know, when he was um, learning and coming about, he said some very interesting things. Um, there was a level of depth that, uh, that he had mentioned. And yeah, he's a super smart guy. And a lot of videos, if you look into it and find out more about him to learn what he said um, and, you know, what he talks about, it might be kind of hard to follow because it's super technical, but he knows a lot of the ins and outs because he's the creator of Ethereum, at least one of them. Okay. So he's a co-founder. He's a co-creator because of course, um, it takes a lot of brilliant minds to put something like this together and which we'll get into here in a little bit. But first I'd like to mention something that he said. Um, he said that, 
Um, so he he's a bit of a writer as well. Um, he wrote in something. He was also a uh, co-founder of something called the Bitcoin Magazine way back when Bitcoin just came on the scene and it was a way to get information and education out as far as everything that was being done in the space and what was being created for the space. And so he wrote a lot of articles um, about that. He was even given Bitcoin at the time um, to, to be a writer in this magazine. Um, you know, at the time he was, I think it was only worth about like $3 or something that he was getting paid to put a piece into the magazine. Uh, but you know, you know, that was, I think he was being given like a few pieces or no, a few Bitcoin actually, you know, of course look at what it would be worth now. But, um, one thing that he said, um, was that he was never particularly inspired by the traditional education system when subjects were presented with dedication and focus on intellectual inquiry. And yeah, he, he, he says some very peculiar things, but that part alone, I wanted to take note of because, um, in our previous episode with Eric, uh, we talked a little bit about that, about the factory school model and, uh, Vitalik actually touches on that too, about not being inspired by that traditional education system. He had a vision that he saw something more that was, you know, that was, that we were capable of doing and he tested those boundaries. And so he goes on to say, I noticed my attitude and my results almost immediately and drastically change. Education is ultimately much more than simply memorizing individual facts or even learning individual concepts. What matters most? Learning how to think, learning how to reason, and learning how to learn. I can't tell you how important that is for me to to read something like that. We... We do need thinkers. We need critical thinkers. We need people to question. We need that, that follow-up to find out, you know, things that are being done in this world. We have to challenge it in certain ways. And that's one thing this technology does. It challenges. It disrupts. And everyone that was in this space early on knew and saw that. Even when all the corporate heads and all the CEO executives that have been taking advantage of people, taking, you know, a lot, you know, from from everyone, you know, widening that, that wealth and poor gap, it's ridiculous. And so seeing this disruption take place, you know, they, of course they would be completely oblivious to something like this. And that's why, that's where Vitalik comes in. You know, he, he, he wanted to see, you know, something to kind of come in and level everything off. Something that kind of gave everyone an opportunity equally and that's exactly what this has done for all those people that have uh, gotten involved in this space earlier, much earlier, have benefited a great deal. So going into the co-founders of this uh, is very interesting um, of Ethereum because, you know, as he come, came on the scene with his white paper and what Ethereum was, he was then introduced to various individuals that had to be brought in to help him with this this behemoth of a project. And so, you know, there was a, you, you have to be open something like this. When you have such a huge idea and others are being brought in, it's going to take a lot of, for everyone to um, be on the same page and be into agreement. And one thing that all these guys saw immediately was how, much of a disruption this was going to be, but how much of a breakthrough it was going to be. 
So my the first person I'd like to um, present as far as one of the co-founders of Ethereum is a gentleman by the name of Gavin Wood. He was, uh, in fact, the creator of something called Solidity. Solidity is a whole new computer language. So as a computer developer, there's C plus, C sharp, uh, Java, JavaScript, all these things, these different types of code that are involved. And it's a particular type of code um, that, and one of the newest ones is called Python. So these, this is a whole new technical learning skill that people um, should really think about. Maybe if you have children out there, or you know, you yourself are looking for where the jobs are. Actually, this is where they are into some form of computer engineer coding, that sort of thing. And there are different levels. If you think it's beyond you, it's really not to find out more about this stuff. But a whole new uh, computer language had to be created for Ethereum. So that's what one of the, the co-founders that was brought in, Gavin Wood, uh, you know, created for the, the protocol for this network, which is Solidity. And so he ended, um, so he's kind of gone off and become a co-founder of a whole new project called Polkadot. And so Polkadot is kind of an extension uh, similar to what Ethereum is, creating a whole new ecosystem of other um, of a, of, a, of another a different type of network that actually functions with much more efficiency and um, much more capability in in the various types of projects being created on that uh, network system, and it's actually. Um, a project that I'm quite fond of. Um, it's impressive to see it unfold as it has, um, and the value of it is um, is underrated because of uh, many of the creative minds going into that space and what they're doing in, in that whole environment is amazing. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And so that brings us to the next co-founder. His name is Joseph Lubin. Um, he launched a, a company called Consensus um, presently. And um, so he was probably the more experienced of the um, computer engineers that were brought into the group. He was, um, you know, to hear, to hear him talk, he, you know, he, he's proud of the word of uh, being like a, a super neat, a super nerd or super geek because he's very, very um, immersed into everything, um, you know, uh, protocol and, you know, the computer architecture of everything. He's, he's a pretty interesting guy. Um, so his consensus system is an extension of Ethereum to kind of uh, broaden the availabilities for everyone to use uh, Ethereum in a more efficient way as well. So here's the thing to think about where Ethereum is right now. It has a lot of, um, I wouldn't say bugs, but it's not completely built out to an, to a way that, you know, it's, it's not ready to take over yet because it's still very slow. You know, some of it's, it's like the very base, uh, the basic form of an operating system. And so it has a lot of shortfalls in it. And, um, 
you know, so it's being worked on. So Ethereum 2.0 is still kind of coming about. It's going through those test phases, as I mentioned earlier, and it's going to be ready. Um, uh, everyone hopes soon, but, you know, it takes, again, it takes um, sometimes years for this stuff to really get ready. And so in the meantime, we need other efficient systems that function similar to Ethereum to to do the same thing that Ethereum does, but to work on a more scalable, to more um, a more speedy recovery on all the actions and users that are on these uh, operating systems. That's what Polkadot is, and that's what Consensus is that Joseph Lubin has brought on. And then, so moving on is another gentleman. Um, not sure how to pronounce his first name, like Mahai Alisi. He became the vice president of the ETH Foundation. Um, so when these uh, gentlemen came on to meet about Ethereum and what they were going to do with it, there was a huge uh, dispute, I guess you could say, about what to do with something like this. Do you make it a corporation or do you make it nonprofit? And it eventually, it became, it turned into a, a nonprofit um, foundation, organization, um, and that was highly controversial when it was, you know, being created. And uh, I can't imagine what that room was like or those conversations were like when this was being decided because they knew exactly what this was going to do and what it was going to be worth. And so you knew you had the potential of a technology like this that could ultimately make you, you know, just incredibly wealthy. But ultimately it became a nonprofit and, um, He's moved on. Um, it's said that he's been working on an experimental social network. I'm not sure which that is, but maybe we'll hear from him later. So another gentleman called Charles Hoskinson. He um, has gone on to create another famed project called Cardano. Cardano is another uh, system that is... Uh, trying to function as another uh, as a replacement to ethereum and um he there's a lot of mathematics involved with this particular protocol and cardano is designed to be included into the financial system so uh, apparently the technology behind it is supposed to be uh, pretty impressive and renowned and uh, i believe hoskinson went off um to to create this other project left ethereum because he wasn't agreeing with uh, Ethereum to become a nonprofit. So he's off doing Cardano, which is doing very well. It's got a, a huge billion dollar market cap. However, he's still a supplying continued support for something called Ethereum Classic, which is also another uh, token. So when Ethereum was first created, it had this, this original code to it. It was um, a fork. Ethereum became a fork. It had the fork off and become two things because um, a hacker went into one of the applications in Ethereum and began to steal a lot of the funds, a lot of the Ethereum in the network, and they had to get it back. And so they started to compromise the project in a way to get those funds back and take the hacker out completely. And so they separated Ethereum into two projects. And Ethereum Classic is that original code to Ethereum that Hoskinson is still believed to kind of keep um, in full functioning capability, if you will. Um, and that's primarily most of the guys. Of course, there's many more that were involved. 
but they you know those are the main heavy hitters as far as ethereum goes and this was a group of of, of brilliant minds that gathered um to to decide what you know what ethereum was going to be and what they were going to do an early um um eth developer uh was another gentleman named fabian vogelsteller and i want to mention him because right now he's moved on to be a co-founder of a of a fashion startup using the blockchain technology in the fashion industry and his project is called luxo l-u-k-s-o and so this project is very um i mean i'm very interested in what this is going to be and he understands uh the amount of time it's going to take to develop the system that he's putting together for it but he's tapping into the fashion industry and I think many of you can understand how valuable of a, of a market that is and applying the blockchain technology to this seems a little bit uh, hard to comprehend. Um, so I'm excited to see exactly how he's going about this, but here's an example of, of how some of this, this advanced technology can take place. Um, so he's, he's focused a lot on the NFT area and uh, the non-fungible tokens are, uh, basically how to create uh, how to put forms of creativity um, or how to tokenize physical property onto the ethereum network and um, so let's say you know you have a you go into a store that's pretty much uh, it's got some advanced technology and you're looking at some clothes and if you're interested in a in, in one of the types of clothing it could actually apply the the imagery um, so it can like present you onto the digital screen and put you within that clothing that you're inquiring or looking into. Like say you wanted to look and there was some, you know, fresh new gear, whether it was shoes, whether it was a dress, whether it was a, you know, shirt and pants. And, and it's, it can be immediately applied to a digital screen showing you, or uh, yeah, showing you what you look like in those wearables in like physical, you know, in actuality kind of giving you a preview of what you would look like wearing those already. And that's also what some NFTs can do. And that's kind of what he's also doing. There's so many different ways that he's developing into this Luxo project. And there's already big names involved into it. Um, an energy network, I think uh, uh, some other popular, some very popular um, names that you'd recognize if you look into this project. And it's also become something I'm very interested in as well. So, you know, all these guys that that um, met up and were meeting and talking about something like this, 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 this innovating process. I mean, the creativity or the level of energy on this must have been incredible to be a part of. You know, uh, here's a quote from one of the, those co-founders, uh, Mr. Elisi. In the early days, this was just a bunch of people with great ideas and grand ambition. This... And I know exactly what he's talking about. I was, I was part of something like this. I mean, this was something, it reminds me of this interesting comparison to the early days of the artist collective SeaTac. You know, we, you know, before it became SeaTac, we were, you know, meeting up with other uh, friends, artist friends of ours, meeting on a weekly basis, meeting up to talk about art or components or marketing strategies or whatever it was we talked about so many different types of projects exhibitions you know we were meeting in the off hours 
in various places to to you know just conversate about this like-mindedness of what art can do and the capabilities and you know what it could do to the community at the time and at the time there was no solid art community it was barely being created at that time as well there was a little spark of interest but not a you know a prolific thriving community as it is now and so we were meeting with these other brilliant minds you know conversating the the potential aspects of what could happen and then that led to you know all of us branching off we kind of broke out and went all our separate ways because we all had these different ideas we all had these different um types of branding we had in mind and so we ventured off in our you know our our directions or our lifestyles and um you know continued to create many of those 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 artist opportunities for ourselves and so when CTAC came onto the scene, it, it, we wanted to be a bridge for artists into the community. We, we continued that original idea we were having and discussing in those meetings and trying to present the whole, the whole concept and the whole stage. We were trying to, to, to build that stage for many of the artists to go on. We were wanting to be the bridge, but most importantly, be the bridge to introduce the artists to the community in so many different ways. To go out to these businesses and make them aware, hey, look at this particular artist and look what they can do or go to these special event, um, you know, centers that had, you know, their run of the mill shows and then add an, uh, an extra element or component of art into it to, you know, to again, to amplify that of the ability of collaboration and, and creative creation. So, you know, I think that's what I find fascinating about Ethereum and how it was, you know, how it came about and how it was created because of everything that generated within that meeting, those meetings of those brilliant minds and how they all branched off and they've all gone into separate different areas to to create this uh, this amazing this this amazing technology that we're going to be a part of in various different ways. So. You know, in light and to segue into to further expanding on this this bridge uh, idea, that brings me to something I haven't really confessed to, and that's my favorite token. You know, I've had a couple of guests so far in um, in our episodes, and um, one of my favorite questions that I've always asked them was, "What a, what is your favorite uh, token or project?" And uh, so to you know, to reveal and confess to many of you, I would like to share my favorite token. And that would be one called Chainlink. So what's interesting is I really didn't come into this, uh, to this notion until very recently. In fact, like maybe a day before this recording. And, um, you know, all the while I've, you know, I've liked, you know, um, I've, I've liked what it is, owning the the actual crypto and and following some of the various types of uh, unique artwork that people have created around the the logo or concept of this and what's funny about it is it's it's not appealing at all to learn what it is you know it's probably the one of the most boring things that you could imagine because uh so let me tell you what Chainlink is it provides tamper-proof inputs and outputs for complex smart contracts 
and it also allows smart contracts on Ethereum to securely connect to external data sources and operating systems and payment systems. It's an Oracle system. I am not uh, very like, I'm, I'm not a coder. I'm not a developer. Um, but when it comes to computing systems, when it comes to operating systems, computers alone, you need a solid Oracle system. You know, um, in any any of the, the businesses that you have, anything you have online, the Oracle system is, is one of the most important backups. It's the back end. It's the admin of the whole thing that kind of keeps it secure and keeps the data, you know, whether you're onloading or offloading, uh, you know, to keep it from being compromised. You need that solid foundation. You know, that's an Oracle system is very important to a lot of you know, everything going on in this digital age. And so that's what this chain link is. It's basically an Oracle system. It's, it's uh, monitoring and securing all the data, you know, that is coming off and on the blockchain uh, from systems that aren't online to systems that aren't using blockchain to go onto the blockchain. So again, this is also a bridge uh, to bring an onboard a lot of the systems that people are using today that are going to need to be brought onto the blockchain and uh, in a very secure way. And so that's what Chainlink is. It's introducing this old, uh, you know, this old set, this old setting onto the new setting. And it's, it's, um, it's always been very interesting to me. And, uh, you know, I've seen some amazing artwork because there's a lot of other fans in the community. Uh, it's, it's a very solid community. In fact, I think, and also, one of my favorite components on um, within the, the community of Chainlink is a, a, a group called the Link Marines. And so it's a very dedicated group. And being a former Marine myself, I, you know, I can comprehend a lot of how a lot of that dedication, motivation goes into this outstanding pro project. So, yeah, you know, for all the other Link Marines out there, you know, hold strong, hold true. Hoorah. So, Here's another funny uh, aspect to Chainlink. This is a, a little side note. So there's a there's a there's a theory out there. Okay, there's a theory that the creator of this uh, project Chainlink, his name is Sergey Nazarov, and he's actually the man behind the earliest writings and the creation of smart contracts, which is very interesting. But there's a theory out there that kind of uh, links him to being. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, I mean, this may be news to you, and I honestly don't believe it, but to hear the case of Sergei Nazarov, the creator of Chainlink, being actually being Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator, the mysterious anonymous creator of Bitcoin, is, uh, you know, fascinating and just that little fun side note to kind of think about. And um, so that. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, when it comes to Ethereum, there's so much ground to cover and there's a lot of fun things to go into, uh, especially the NFTs, which I can't wait to get into. Um, and then, the, you know, the ERC tokens. Uh, the ERC is basically any of the projects being put onto Ethereum. They use an ERC standard. That's basically just a, a title setting to classify it. And um, so a big thing coming this year, one of the biggest um, notes uh I guess attention getters in this crypto space is something called DeFi, decentralized finance. And so there's CeFi and DeFi. CeFi is centralized finance. And that's where you have the components of a centralized 
a company entity um, in, in the financial world versus these other protocols and these other platforms that are decentralized that give you the ability to own and operate it yourself. Again, CFI, someone is in custody of your um, assets and DeFi is at, it's at your leisure and uh, you know, your decision on how to move about these, uh, these assets and, you know, and what to do, um, what you're able to do because what, what both of these offer, what CFI and DeFi do, this new level of finance, again, as I mentioned, makes you your own business person. This makes you um, available to collect fees, you know, with many of, with whatever you do with some of these. So there's, there's as part of the smart contracts, so give an, an example of what smart contracts is, is like, say you put your X amount of your funds into a platform that is a lending platform and it, you know it just puts it off to the side it it's like you entering into a lottery but it's not a lottery it's just something that you can put money into and then while it's sitting there it goes into a lending protocol to where on the other end another user can go into the protocol and ask to borrow you know x amount of funds so they could be your funds they could be the collected pool of money and they go in and they'll borrow for whatever reason they're borrowing and, you know, use those funds. And the smart contract is going to take a, take care of all the, the legwork for you, meaning, you know, the, the time frame of when and how they pay it back, as well as the interest that's on that loan. And you're going to be uh, collecting the interest payments on that. And then if, you know, they have to provide collateral in order to get this loan as well. And so... If they don't follow through with uh, the loan, then you will be the recipient of, uh, you know, getting paid back, you know, exactly um, what you're owed in, in that in that contract. So, you know, it's it's again, it's uh, there's so many different ways that this decentralized finance protocol can work and it allows you to uh, generate interest on your money that you are probably not familiar with because the banks certainly don't give it to you. For instance, the banks will give you maybe 0.01, right? Um, when in this crypto space, what some of these Ethereum protocols can do uh, just by you providing your digital assets and putting it on this, this protocol, this operating system will allow you to generate gains up to 6%, 7, 8, 10. I've seen as high as even 16% of gain, gaining interest onto what you already own. So um, again, this is another reason why you must understand what this provides, the opportunities this, this provides for you. So you um, have some sort of opportunity, some edge, some you know capability to not be taken advantage of and run the risk of lending your you know your money out to a bank and then taking risk on something that you don't know um what's going to happen you know because it's still in the, in the trust of others when you can put it into this this digital protocol that's going to be more exact and more def definitive and even more giving as far as interest gained all right guys um, I hope you uh, get ready. This is going to be an amazing year. Get ready for uh, much more crypto information, much more interesting programming. If you have any questions or let me know what kind of response, how you feel out there, give me some kind of response on what you'd like to know. Um, there's some, you know, 
there's a fresh start on a lot of this stuff so you're not too late if you're interested in crypto there's no time like the present so feel free to gift yourself and make that present thanks for listening stay tuned for more disruption this is one nation under god and crypto for all This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.